You're listening to the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. All right, let's get to it. Welcome back to another edition of the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. CJ Palmisano here, your host, just your one host today. Uh, Sean is unavailable this week, but don't worry, that's not going to stop you from hearing all of the things that went down this week in the world of professional wrestling. I will try and get through everything as quickly, well, not as quickly, you're going to be here for a while, as possible as I can. Uh, welcome back. If you have not listened to us, please be sure to give us a subscribe, give us a five-star rating on any of your podcast formats on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Podbean, Anchor.fm, uh, anywhere you can find our podcast formats. It's greatly, greatly appreciated. Uh, we're going to be going over what happened from last Saturday from AEW Double or Nothing up to currently what's going on, and I preview a little bit what I think might happen on tonight's episode of Friday Night SmackDown. So here we go. Without further ado, AEW, uh, excuse me, AEW Double or Nothing 2020. I said with Sean that AEW had a big opportunity here to make an impact with possibly having the best show in 2020 in this era we live in with pro wrestling but um i gotta say they really really did a fantastic job um it was a fun night um even though we are like i said living in this strange time where we can't really go to wrestling shows uh wrestling is still there for us and i'm thankful that it is still there for us uh, that it's something we can get through um help us get through our weeks Every, you know, Wednesday, Monday, Friday, whatever pay-per-views are. I'm going to go through it as much, not totally in-depth with the car, but I'm going to go through some of my favorite parts and some big key things that happened. Uh, The casino ladder match, the winner being Brian Cage. Brian Cage debuting for AEW. Taz is his manager. And I think we all kind of forgot that he had signed with the company. It was reported that he signed with the company, but he was injured. His contract with Impact Wrestling was up. I completely forgot. It was a complete and total shock. Um, and, yeah, they're really just going all in with uh, Brian Cage because he won the match, and he's going to get a future uh, AEW championship uh, opportunity against John Moxley. Bit of a spoiler later if you haven't watched Double or Nothing, but where have you been? Anyway, um, so, yeah, that's what Tony Khan announced. He's going to get a championship opportunity against John Moxley at Fighter Fest. Uh, and I really like this pairing. I like the pairing of Taz and Brian Cage together. Taz, I've always said, is phenomenal on the mic. You know, his commentary speaks for himself. Uh, I'm really not too keen or unaware, rather, of uh, Brian Cage's mic work because I don't really watch Impact Wrestling. Um I have I keep up with it here and there. I, I think Brian Cage is very good, and I think he could be a really breakout star for the company. I mean, he really impressed me in the ladder match. So, yeah, it's uh, really it's looking really good for Brian Cage, and I think him and Taz would be a great pairing. Just kind of have like you know, Taz do all the mic work, and Brian just do all the work in the ring. It's a perfect pair, in my opinion. Uh, next up in the show, I believe it was uh, Jungle Boy and MJF, and I gotta say that. Jungle Boy and MJF are the future of AEW. 
it was a match that I don't think many people was going to be like amazing. It's a match that a lot, I think it was a real sleeper match. It was a lot better than I had predicted, or at least I thought it was going to be. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I thought, I'm just looking at these two guys. You know, Jungle Boy, who I believe is like 22 or 23, and MJF is was like 23, 24. These two young guys who are putting on an amazing match. Phenomenal work from both of them. I mean, MJF being just typical MJF. There was one point where they were just doing like a, a chop exchange and MJF just smacks him in the arm and the arm is all messed up and injured. Uh, like that reverse spike Rana onto the the apron. The match was hard hitting. It was amazing. Jungle Boy didn't lose any credibility in defeat. And that's what I love what AEW does so much. Even though if a guy loses, they don't look bad. They don't seem buried they look good in defeat, and that's what happened with Jungle Boy here. And I really did think MJF needed the victory because he hasn't had anything significant. He hasn't really done anything significant since he beat Cody at Revolution. But I think the whole pandemic and whatever that kind of haltered things. But um, going throughout the rest of the show in AEW Double or Nothing, uh, one of the matches I really really enjoyed: uh, Cody versus Lance Archer. Um. I will speak about the elephant in the room. Yes. The current TNT championship looks horrible. It looks absolutely horrible. The red leather with the silver and everything. A lot of people are shitting on it online. Um, I was wondering why it looked like that. And then Tony Schiavone had said, this is what the championship looks right now. It's what we could get at the moment due to the pandemic. We really the belt couldn't get finished and not too many people are making belts at the moment for championships in wrestling. And that's understandable. Um, AEW, I believe did post a picture of what the championship will look like the finalized version of it. And it actually looks much better. There's gold instead of silver, uh, which makes it look much, much nicer. And considering, uh, the championships that AEW has made, you know, the, the world title, the tag titles, and even the women's title, even though it's really small, they're still all really beautiful championships, especially the AEW championship. The AEW championship reminds me a lot of the IWGP, uh, heavyweight championship in New Japan. It looks very similar to that. Um, but yeah, Cody versus Lance Archer, um... I really didn't think Cody was going to win. I'm not sure if he necessarily needed the win. I kind of think Lance Archer may have needed it just a little bit more. But nevertheless, um, Cody's Cody's a champion. I thought the match was really good. Um, I liked the little, exchange, this little exchange of when Cody hits the DDT in front of Jake and then Lance Archer hits the, the spine buster in front of Arn Anderson. Um... But I think my favorite, one of my favorite moments that came out of this entire show, right before the match even started, Mike Tyson's coming out and he's got the belt and he's presenting it, and then Lance Archer just takes that jobber, throws him around, and like choke slams him, whatever he did, and then you cut to Mike Tyson's face just shocked, and then just start nodding and laughing and loving what he's seeing, and I'm like, <laughs> that is a gif immediately, and the second I looked at Twitter. Someone made a GIF out of it, and Joey Ryan retweeted it, just going like, thank God someone made this into a GIF so soon. 
Um, this match was really good. Uh, it it could you could say it dragged on just a little bit, but I thought it was a really great way. Uh, still, I feel like Lance didn't really lose much in defeat, similar to the Jungle Boy MJF match. Uh, I mean, sure, the finish was a little bit, maybe a little bit, I don't want to say botchy, but maybe a little underwhelming, hitting the two crossroads, and it didn't look like they were executed, too, execu executed <laughs> excuse me, real well, but I still thought this was a, a solid match, a really good match, and um, I think Cody will hold the belt for a while, uh, and just, you know... And we'll get into a little bit later about what he will be doing with said championship. Uh, what's next for Lance Archer? I don't know. I hope they have something huge lined up for him because I still really like Lance Archer a lot. He's done incredible work. I mean, he's really caught my eye since he won the U.S. title over in New Japan and had that great death match with John Moxley at Wrestle Kingdom earlier this year. So I hope there's more to come for uh, Lance Archer in the future. Next up, I believe... It's Chris Statlander versus Penelope Ford. Um, this was fine. It was fine. I like Chris Statlander. I like you know I, I like Penelope Ford. Um, I was more entertained by Chris uh, Kip Sabian in this match. Um, I think Chris Statlander. Uh, she's made a pretty good name for herself on the Indies. Um, I was really bummed that this couldn't have been Britt Baker. Because it was supposed to be her, but injuries is sidelining her into at least all out, she says. Um, Chris Statlander won. Penelope Ford. Uh, I think Penelope Ford does have a lot of potential. I think both these women have a lot of potential. It's just the match didn't really do anything for me at the moment. Uh, next was Dustin Rose versus Sean Spears. It was a short match. Uh, it was a comedy match because he made it seem like Dustin wasn't showing up. And then he did. And then Dustin did show up behind him. And Sean Spears had got stripped down from his suit, and they found that he had a picture of Tully Blanchard on his underwear, right in the front. I did not understand that at all. I like Sean Spears. I liked him as Ty Dillinger. The guy's very talented. But I think they need to stick to what kind of character he's going to be. We've seen Sean Spears be super serious with his feud with Cody. We've seen him try to find a tag partner. We've seen him be this comedy guy. And the tag stuff and the comedy stuff are really, really close together. I think they. I think Sean Spears just needs to pick one gimmick. And this is not knocking the guy. I think he's very talented and I like him a lot. But I think just stick to one thing. You want to do a comedy thing? All right, do do the comedy thing. You know, have put him in there with with Cole Cabana or Orange Cassidy, and just do stuff like that. But for now, you need you need to stick to one thing. The, the match was the match was entertaining. It was it was what it was. Not much happened. Hikaru Shida versus Nyla Rose for the AEW AEW Women's Championship. No disqualifications. I was right. I was right, and this prediction helped me beat Sean. <laughs> um, a lot of people didn't think Nyla Rose was going to, uh, well, Hikaru Shida was going to win the AEW Women's Championship. I had a feeling, I just felt like 
Hikaru Shida has been killing it lately. She's done a fantastic job. She's been working her ass off. And I think AEW recognizes that. Not to say that Nyla Rose didn't work her ass off or didn't deserve the where where she came to be. I mean, me personally, I'm not the biggest fan of Nyla Rose. I think she's good. It's just, for me, she hasn't done too much for me with the title. And I felt like putting the belt on Hikaru Shida, again, who's striking while the iron's hot, and she's on a roll, just put the title on her. And I'm glad they did. Um, I just wish that the feud they'd set up was her and Britt Baker. It's possible that they could set it up at All Out, because that's when Britt Baker says she'll be coming back around All Out. So I hope for All Out we see Hikaru Shida versus Britt Baker, and I hope they have a lengthy feud, because I think they're both fantastic. John Moxley versus Mr. Brody Lee for the AEW Championship. This is another really great match. Uh, I will say that I was the stream I was watching on Double or Nothing cut out a lot in this match. So I'm just going to kind of comment on what I saw. The match was hard-hitting. Brody Lee came out with the champion. Excuse me, Mr. Brody Lee came out with the AEW Championship. He had stolen the championship from Moxley. Moxley comes out. They have security in the middle so they don't fight each other before the match actually happens. Uh, Moxley's livid. Moxley is pissed. They're brawling all over the place. They're fighting each other everywhere. The closing sequences being that John Moxley hits the Paradigm Shift DDT on the, on the walkway by the ring, and it collapses in. And I'm thinking to myself, could this be the way to end the match? There are no contests. That way, so Brody doesn't lose anything in defeat, and Moxley, you know, doesn't lose the championship, so neither guy loses anything, and maybe set up the championship match for the following pay-per-view? Um, no, that's not what they did. Brody comes out with blood all over his face, just looking like a badass, looking like Bruiser Brody, one of his favorite wrestlers. Moxley coming back into the ring, they brawl, and they and hitting another paradigm shift, and I believe Brody kicks out at one. Um... And then Moxley gets a chokehold on Brody and makes him pass out, not tap out. I saw a lot of things on... Some people online were just like, oh my god, Brody's buried. Shit match. Uh, that, that How is that believable? Uh, why would you... like? To me, again, I don't think Brody Lee loses anything in defeat here. Because he looked like a total badass. He was kicking the shit out of John Moxley. He was bringing a fight to John Moxley, and he was looking bloody. And he just was killing it. I mean, I think there's a stigma with a lot of wrestling fans that they think that a wrestler's buried just because they didn't win, and they're coming in. Like that doesn't mean anything. Like oh, the elites booking themselves and Moxley. Like I think that's too much of a WWE stigma to have that a lot of people don't understand or just can't get their frame of mind out of. Since I've been watching AEW, I've, just been like, I've been much more open-minded about wrestling. When it comes to WWE, eh, we'll get to that later. But finally, to close off on the Double or Nothing review, the absolute best match on the show. I was laughing. I was get excited. I was. This match was absolutely fun. So much fun. It's the most 2020 of a wrestling match that's ever happened. I said 
AEW is going to knock it out of the park. I said they have an opportunity to put on a great show, and I will say it here that I think this has been the best 2020 match, and I mean the version of a 2020 match with these cinematic things, with these film uh, film sequences for matches. I think this was the best one. I have to say, I like it just a little bit more than the Firefly Funhouse. That says a lot coming from me. I know. I love the Firefly Funhouse. But, I like this just a little bit more. I mean, the Inner Circle came out with with, uh, football gear. And there were the Jacksonville Jaguar cheerleaders were there. There was a ring in the middle of the stadium. I don't know why. They hardly used it. Uh, the Elite come out. Uh, everybody comes out except Hangman Adam Page and Matt Hardy. And the Young Bucks are asking Kenny, where's Hangman? Where's Hangman? And Kenny's like, don't worry. He's coming. About five minutes in, everybody in inner circles down. Sammy Guevara, I believe. And then here comes Hangman Adam Page on a horse. Hangman Adam Page on a friggin' horse. I love it. He's chasing down Sammy Guevara down the field. You can just pick so many great moments from this. Like, one of my favorites personally being uh, there's the when Jericho tried to get the pin on Nick Jackson and he kicks out, and Aubrey goes, Two, no, it was three. No, it was two. It was three. And he pulls from his from his pants a red challenge like I'm challenging the play and they it's like all right let's review it and Jericho tries to go into the booth with Aubrey Edwards like you can't be in here yes I can I just no you can't coaches players can't be in the booth to challenge it was just so funny and then they review it they see Nick clearly kicks out at two and she goes it was call stands and Jericho's like you're a shitty referee oh god that was great uh hangman Adam Page Goes to the bar, leaves the horse there. Hager finds him in the bar. They go to the bar. Hager sits next to Hangman. They both have a sip, drink of whiskey. Go, did you come here to f- come here to drink or did you come here to fight? They both t- drink the whiskey and then they start brawling. It was fantastic. Omega joins in the fray. They're hitting all the double team moves on Hager. They get to the they get to the back of the uh, Hangman's in the back of the bar. Kenny's in the front. Uh, hangman, hangman pours Kenny milk. Kenny pours Hangman whiskey. They they toast. They drink, and they're back to fighting. Um, another great moment. Uh, I'm kind of all over the here. I don't exactly remember what part was which, but you see Santana and Ortiz fighting Matt Hardy, and there's a little pool there, and it seemed like Kenny Omega I think was thrown in there, but Matt Hardy comes in, and um. Ortiz just goes, I can't swim, man. I can't swim. Santana's like, just get in. There's three feet of water. I can't swim. <laughs> um, they're trying to drown Matt Hardy in the pool. And every time he becomes a different version of Matt Hardy. There's, you know, broken Matt Hardy. There's version one Matt Hardy. Uh, Matt fact Matt Hardy. <laughs> and I think the funny, the really thing that sold this was that Santana and Ortiz could see the mat fact on like the on the right hand side of the screen. <laughs> Just selling that was absolutely hilarious. And uh, Excalibur saying how there must be water from the lake of reincarnation. Um, everything was absolutely awesome. I mean, Matt Jackson doing the moonsault off of the goalpost. 
the Northern Lights suplexes across the field, uh, Nick Jackson running from the stands and jumping, jumping a, a crossbody onto the chair. I believe that was Jericho. He hit him. Um, the spot of the night was the finish, though. It was Kenny Omega hitting the one-winged angel on Sammy Guevara from that, holy shit, that high drop. I mean, Sammy was the MVP of this match. He really, really was just taking all this punishment being being really one tough son of a bitch. And the whole match was absolutely incredible. Uh, I could rewatch this over and over and over again and still be as entertained as I did when I was last Saturday. Absolutely amazing. Just so much fun. And I recommend this to anybody who is a wrestling fan, who needs a laugh, who just kind of maybe down in their luck just needs something and it's just absolutely friggin hilarious but I will segue one person who didn't think this was absolutely friggin hilarious was one Jim Cornette ordinarily I wouldn't give Jim Cornette or Vince Russo the time of day I don't even know who the hell I am but I'm just gonna give my two cents on what Jim Cornette thought he thought I mean if you know Jim Cornette you probably know what he thought he thought it was horse shit he hated it. He said he was ashamed of Jim Ross for not walking out. He's ashamed of Tony Schiavone, ashamed of Chris Jericho, ashamed of Matt Hardy, ashamed of all the veterans who were there just saying like how just saying how awful this was. He's like, I will never watch this product ever again. I'm centering myself here just a little bit. And you know what? I got a I got a I mean, Jim Cornette just does this shit to get a rise out of people. Whether it's his honest opinion or not, he's always, always shitting on something that somebody likes. When Kenny Omega and Kazuchika Okada's first match at Wrestle Kingdom got a six-star review from Dave Meltzer, he went ballistic. He's like, this is not a six-star match. This is blah, blah, blah. Not even stuff. Because Meltzer rated it that. He shit on this match because it's not his kind of wrestling. It's not his style of wrestling he likes to watch. There are very few things he likes in pro wrestling today. And what the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and the elite of, of th- this kind of wrestling show, it's just not his thing. He tries to give up with the current product and see what's going on, but he has nothing good to say about it. I think literally the only thing I've seen Jim Cornette say anything positive in the past four or five years is about the revival. That's the only thing I've ever seen him say anything positive about pro wrestling, and that's them. Speaking of which, FTR are all elite. Dynamite kicked off this week with the Young Bucks and Matt Hardy versus Joey Janela and Private Party. After the match, Butcher and the Blade had come down and attacked them. Uh, let me see if I can get their names correctly. Cash Wheeler, Dax Harwood. Yep, that's their names. They drive down this really sick-looking truck, better than Cody did. Uh, down, They park the, co- park the truck, march down to the ring, Seems like they're going to attack the Young Bucks. They don't. They attack the Butcher and the Blade. Young Bucks hit a sh- hit a uh, super kick. FTR hit a shatter machine. Young Bucks look like they're about to offer their hands to shake them, but they just walk off. I thought this was a very well done way to debut FTR. 
um, we all figured that they were going to AEW. We just wasn't. Sh- we just weren't sure as to when they were coming to AEW. We all kind of figured maybe they'd wait a little while because they were very much uh, wanted to face teams like the Briscoes and God over in Ring of Honor and New Japan. But currently, Ring of Honor and New Japan aren't doing any shows. So I guess if you want to make your money, and if you want to do your best work, go to AEW. Um, it's um, I thought it, again. I thought it was very well done way to debut them, and apparently, a a, a little uh, Easter egg. Cash Wheeler tweets out, "Hey yo," you know, for Scott Hall. Apparently, I think it's the 20-year anniversary. Yeah, the 20-year anniversary of when Scott Hall, 2025, something like that, of when Scott Hall debuted on Nitro. He wore a denim jacket and jeans, denim pants. And if you look at Cash Wheeler, he was wearing, I think they were both wearing denim jackets. That's a nice little homage that's a little Easter egg for you for all those WCW fans out there, fans of the NWO. Uh, a few of the things that happened on Dynamite this week. We had uh, Cody cut a promo on how, it, how much it means for him to win the TNT championship. He had said that, you know, he was not the first pick. He wasn't the second pick. He wasn't the third pick. He wasn't the fourth pick. In ref- he was the fourth pick in referring to his time in WWE. And then he scratched and clawed his way, and he's proven himself to be a hard worker, uh, excellent wrestler, and he wants to prove himself how good he is every week in an open challenge for the TNT Championship. Later on that night, I believe Jungle Boy won a battle royal to face Cody next week for the TNT title. Uh, very well done. Uh, again, this is going back to my point of how Jungle Boy doesn't lose anything to defeat, and he moves on to bigger and better things. Um, we all know that Cody is the best, uh, one of the best promos in the game right now. Um, I mean, we can all go back to his outstanding promo he cut on Chris Jericho before Full Gear. Uh, promo of his life, I keep saying, of his life, his career, the best promo he's ever cut, ever. Um... For the time being, we are going to have to look at that horrible-looking belt, but, again, we can forgive them. A few things that happened on NXT is that the Inner Circle held... I'm sorry, AEW. uh, The Inner Circle held their pep rally. Uh, This is a fun little segment. Uh, I like that Jericho got Sammy a a scooter instead of a a crutch to, to help his knee. Uh... Jake Hager had a nice, li- nice little, um, a nice little poem, and then it turned into uh, his rendition of "Taken" and wanting to kill the elite. <laughs> when when Jericho was like, "Oh, big man, I get it, I get it." Um, he uh, Jericho got Ortiz a pair of earmuffs because he had a ringing in his ear. Put them on. I can hear again. <laughs> they were throwing out Stadium Stampede Championship uh, ch- Champion T-shirts, even though they lost. Uh, it was very funny, very entertaining. Vicky Guerrero came out one point with the cheerleaders. Um, but the main talking point of it at the end of the show is that Chris Jericho called out Mike Tyson. 
they had a brawl with Tyson's posse and the inner circle and the rest of the AEW locker room came out and had a had a you know a pull apart. Um, are we gonna get Tyson versus Jericho? I mean, probably. We're probably gonna get that, and I would have to say it's gonna be it all out. Um, I mean, sure, good on them. Recently, Tyson put out that crazy workout video. Tyson has to be close to 60 years old. At least. He's got to be in his 50s. His mid-50s, late-50s. And he looks in great shape. Um, I don't know how the match would be, but it's definitely something that would bring casual fans to want to take a look at. Whether you're a boxing fan or a wrestling fan and you don't really pay attention anymore, Tyson versus Jericho is definitely something that's going to grab your attention. I don't know how well it will be, but it's definitely something to talk about. Um... That's all I really have to say about AEW and Double or Nothing. Fantastic job to the company. Now moving on to what happened in the world of NXT. Um, Fans are back. And this goes for Raw and NXT. Uh, NXT, I saw they had like protective uh, glass, so to speak. Plexiglass, whatever that was. To protect the wrestlers because I saw when Rhea Ripley was walking around the ring. Had a tag match with Io Shirai and Chelsea Green was Charlotte Flair's tag partner. They ended up winning the match. She split herself from Robert Stone, which I don't understand. I thought they were making a great pairing. But I guess they have enough confidence in Chelsea Green that she can kind of be on her own. And I think Chelsea can be great on her own. I, I've been a big fan of Chelsea Green for a long time. Um, I just I just like the pairing, you know. I'm sh- maybe maybe Robert Stone will transition over to being a wrestler because he was. If you don't, if for those of you who don't remember, he was Robbie E in TNA and Impact Wrestling. Um, I think that it could be done really well because for me, when I think about standout stars from NXT who could make it really really big on the main roster in WWE, um, a few names come to mind: Keith Lee. Uh, Chelsea Green, Rhea Ripley, um, Karrion Cross, if they keep going the way he's going, and uh, Adam Cole. I look at those guys and girls, and I just see really, really great things for their future on the main roster whenever they go up to the main roster. Uh, because I can see Chelsea having a amazing, amazing run on the main roster. Uh, I think it's only a matter of time before she becomes NXT Women's Champion. Uh, Gar- Johnny Gargano versus uh, Keith Lee was announced for NXT TakeOver In Your House. Lee and Mia Yim kind of made fun of Gargano and Candice's little like dinner promos at their uh, segments at their house. Uh, it's being reported by Sean Ross Sapp that Adam Cole versus Velveteen Dream was already filmed and for their TakeOver match at... Uh, take over in your house, and apparently it's going to be a cinematic type of uh, match. Not really sure how it's going to be, but apparently there's a stipulation that if Velveteen Dream does not win, he will not be able to compete for the NXT Championship anymore. I mean, we've all kind of seen that happen in the past. Uh, Dream will probably get an opportunity somewhere down the line. Who knows? Um... And I'm just kind of going over what, I, what I've what i heard. I didn't really get to watch too much NXT this week. But another thing worth noting is that this, the main event, which saw Timothy Thatcher 
versus Matt Riddle, Kurt Angle as a special guest referee, enforcer, whatever they said, in this match. It was a cage fight. It wasn't a wrestling match. It was a cage fight. Um, There was no pinfalls. It was tap out or knockout. Um, I am glad that they got fans because it would have been really, really awkward if Angle came out to the to those music with no you suck chance. So that was good. I still didn't get the whole thing. Like it, it, it seemed weird to me that you, you fired Kurt angle not that long ago. And then you ask him to come and be the special guest referee. It's, it just, it's just weird. It's just really, really weird to me. Um, I guess it worked. I'm going to have to go back and watch this. Really, the only thing I saw from this is that Thatcher made Riddle pass out and that I believe Riddle did a moonsault because Sean literally texted me yesterday this compilation of pictures of Kurt Angle. Yeah, it was Matt Riddle doing like a corkscrew moonsault and it shows Kurt Angle's face just dumbfounded and absolutely surprised. Um, Kurt Angle is for sure the funniest wrestler ever. He's funny without even trying. When you get the opportunity, go online, look up that moment I'm talking about, find it on Twitter, YouTube, whatever, watch Kurt Angle's face when Matt Riddle's hitting this move. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, going through here, since Matt Riddle has lost, where is his future lead? It's being reported by PW Insider and uh, by the Pro Wrestling Observer himself, Dave Meltzer, that it seems that Matt Riddle is going to be called up to the main roster and it appears he's going to SmackDown because Brock Lesnar doesn't want to work with him. Uh, Brock Lesnar being on Raw. Um, I'm very worried for Matt Riddle, to be honest. I'm very worried for him. What I would do is just have him be booked really well. Win some squash matches, maybe. Start having him compete against matches with the likes of AJ Styles, Daniel Bryan, uh, Cesaro, Nakamura, Drew Gulak. Uh, just some people like that. Because all, because honestly, what I see happening for Matt Riddle is that he's going to get squashed by like Baron Corbin or something. And that's not to say I don't have no faith in Matt Riddle. I have all the faith in the world in Matt Riddle. I think Matt Riddle is absolutely amazing. But unfortunately... The powers of B in the WWE, the creative team, may not think so. Vince McMahon may not think so. So I'm not sure what's going to happen, but it appears that Matt Riddle could show up tonight on Friday Night SmackDown. A couple things that happened in the news uh, this week with pro wrestling. Uh, it appears that Nigel McGuinness was one of those people who were furloughed. Uh, and unfortunately, it's I mean, it's not great. It sucks, but it does mean he will come back at some point. I just thought maybe he wanted to stay home, given with the whole situation of the pandemic. Um, but uh, I really just really miss Nigel McGuinness. I think he's probably the best color commentator WWE have. Uh, him and Mauro Ranallo are an absolutely fantastic team, and they're the best NXT is the best commentary team that WWE has. There's no doubt about it. Sucks about Nigel McGuinness, but eventually he will be back. It's just a matter of when. The other is Deanna Perrazzo, another one of those talent-slash-employees who was not furloughed but released from their contract. 
Her 30-day no-compete clause is up, and she had a vignette show up on this recent episode of Impact Wrestling. Deanna Perrazzo is now with Impact Wrestling, and I'm very happy and very excited for her. I've said how much of a big fan I am of Deanna Perrazzo, and she really did not get an opportunity to really show what she is capable of in WWE. She had some moments here and there, but she just wasn't given the opportunity. I've seen her wrestle live, and she's absolutely fantastic. So, I'm glad she'll get an opportunity in Impact. I think she can make a great impact, pun intended, in Impact. Um, so, congratulations to her. Let's see how things go for her. Um, I mean, I think she would tear it up really well with the Knockouts division, with likes of Taya Valkyrie, Rosemary, uh trying to remember the other names on Impact at the moment. Uh, Jordan Grace. Jordan Grace, another great one. Tessa Blanchard. Uh, I know she's, I think she's still the champion at the moment. Um, but I think Deanna not, uh, you know, locking up with all those, all of those names would be great for her and just great for Impact in general. Hope her stock rises and she it goes on to bigger and better things for her in the years to come. Moving on to what kind of happened. A little backwards tracking here. Uh, we have a new United States champion in Apollo Crews. Uh, good for Apollo Crews. Great for him. Him and Andrade can kind of feud for a little while with the U.S. title. Uh, Apollo Crews really is one of those guys who is just criminally, criminally underrated, underutilized in the WWE. He won the U.S. title from Andrade this week, and it just... Um, it just it just feels good, and I know Sean is a really big fan of him, so I'm sure he must be really happy about Apollo Cruz's new uh, title victory and his first title victory in WWE in general. He never won a championship in NXT, so I'm really happy for Apollo Cruz. Um, not gonna go over too many things that happened on Raw, but um, one thing I do have to go over. And Sean and I have talked about this particular person in the past. Nia Jax. Now, some of you may be thinking this to be a little controversial. But I'm going to say this about Nia Jax. I don't hate Nia Jax personally. I have no reason to. Um, she is a unique look for the women's division. There's nothing wrong with that. I think everybody should have their own unique style and look different. And there's nothing wrong with a bigger woman kind of being a monster heel character. But there is one common occurrence that keeps happening with Nia Jax. She botches a lot. This isn't the first time we have seen this. Just recently, what's being reported at a Raw TV taping is that Nia Jax hurt Kyrie Sane. Again. She had hit her from the outside, and apparently she busted, uh, knocked her over, and, and Kyrie got, uh, got uh, her head cut open. She's bleeding the hard way. I just... The amount of times someone can really mess up and botch moves over and over again and not get sent back to developmental, or it happens so much... That you just, you know, you don't get punished for it is ridiculous. 
I honestly think if it wasn't for The Rock, she wouldn't be still employed with the WWE. Look, all I'm saying is I don't want people to get hurt. I think Nia Jax should go back to developmental. I think she should go back to NXT. She should... She's got to learn to protect her opponent better. Like, this has happened twice now. You've hurt the same person twice in the past three or four weeks. That's not good. I mean, it's one thing if you want to get blood in the match. But it's not a pay-per-view match. It's not anything that added to the story, from what I understand. But this is, again, this is all being reported. I just... It just doesn't look good. This consistently ha- this happens maybe not every week, maybe not every month, but it happens. It surfaces every once in a while. Point being here is that Nijax needs to try needs to try and be safer. Learn, go back and learn a few things. I don't know what she personally feels. I don't know if she feels bad about it or if she doesn't feel bad about it or or if she has this kind of self-entitlement that she's you know that she's not going to get fired or whatever because she's related to the rock I don't know and I'm not going to call her out for any of that shit all I know is that this has happened before it's happened with Becky Lynch and yes that that was a blessing in disguise making Becky look like a total badass and lightning in a bottle but she has hurt people before she has injured people before and I just don't like seeing it. I, I I mean I just don't like seeing injuries happen in general. But when this keeps happening from the same person over and over again, it's just not good. It's just not good. I want Nia Jax to be really good. I want Nia Jax to be a key player in the women's division. Because I think she does have a lot to offer. But you gotta go back and you gotta you gotta learn to protect your opponent better. Simple as that. You're in there, you as a wrestler, you're in there, you're supposed to be trusting your life, your safety with this other person. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I don't know if she has something personal against Kyrie Sane. I don't know if she just messed up that badly again. I don't know. But I but Nia Jax has gotta do something. They've gotta do something for Nia Jax and she's got to go back and learn a few things here and there once this feud with Asuka is over I don't want to see Nia Jax on my TV screen for a while have her go back and relearn some things because she keeps hurting people I don't think she means to hurt people but this has got to stop it's got to stop a few things I'll end on is the IC tournament and where it is going Uh, AJ Styles is back on Friday Night Smackdown the house that A Jay Styles built. He has returned. Uh, the house is looking a lot different. They went through renovations, but nevertheless, it's good to see AJ back. Uh, he recently spoke on the After the Bell podcast saying that after Gallows and Anderson were released, it really hurt him. It really affected him. He felt really responsible for it. And I don't know why he felt responsible for it. Honestly, it had nothing to do with AJ. AJ has all the faith in the world and his two best buddies. But it's just WWE just released them. But the fact of the matter is, I'm glad that AJ's in this in this IC title tournament. Currently, the uh, the preview for SmackDown tonight, I believe that he'll be facing Elias. Daniel Bryan, is he facing Sheamus? 
or is he facing Jeff Hardy? I'm not exactly sure because, to be honest, I don't watch SmackDown that often. I really don't. Um, but I'll take a look here at the preview of what's going to happen tonight for Friday Night SmackDown. Uh, we are getting Jeff Hardy versus Daniel Bryan. Uh, we'll be getting uh, Elias versus AJ Styles. I believe we're getting a rematch between Manny Rose and Sonya Deville. I gotta say, Sonya Deville's been on a pretty good roll re- lately. I think Sonya Deville can be a huge key player, the woman on SmackDown, if they let her be. I don't know what the story will be, where they're headed with this, but I think a feud between her and maybe a babyface Sasha Banks could be really, really interesting. Um, Sonya, I think, has been underutilized, not a lot, but a little bit. Uh, I think she's really come into her own this post-WrestleMania feud with her and Mandy. And I'm really enjoying it. Uh, Again, I think she's very underrated as far as in in a long time. She's very underrated in the sense that they didn't do much with her. And now she's featured on a key storyline. And I'm happy. I really am happy. I think Sonya Deville is excellent. And she can really bring something new to WWE. I know we've seen the whole MMA fighter thing, but she's, I think she can bring a new spin on that. You know, um, as far as who I think will go on to the finals of the IC tournament, I really see, I see two options. I see Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles, or I see Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Um, I like Elias. I used to be a really big fan of his. I don't see Elias winning. I don't see Elias moving forward. I see King Corbin coming in trying to distract him or something or or whatever. Or after the match when he loses. Jeff Hardy, I still think he has unfinished business with Sheamus. I would love to see a match between Jeff Hardy and AJ Styles, but I don't think that's where it's going. I do think we will get Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles at Backlash. It seems like they're both babyfaces at this point. I don't know if Styles has necessarily turned babyface or whatever, but uh, that is a match I would definitely want to see more. Um, as to who should win the IC title, that's hard. That really is hard because both Brian and Styles fit the description of what the IC title used to represent. It hasn't felt important in a long time. It has its stints where like people are doing really great work with it, like The Miz, but and Seth Rollins and Dolph Ziggler in recent memory. But as of late, they haven't really cared. And for a long time, they haven't really cared. If I had to say now, I'd probably put the put the belt on AJ Styles. He just came to the he just came to SmackDown, just came back. It's something he hasn't done yet. He hasn't held the Intercontinental Championship just yet. But I think a long feud between him and Bryan, if he is a heel, I think that would make things a lot better. Because we've seen the roles where they were both baby faces. We've seen it where AJ was the baby face and Brian was the heel. Now, if we can have the little the difference of Brian now back to being baby face and AJ being the heel, I think that would work really, really well. Um, because that could be a really great feud going on for the rest of the year. If I had to put money on it, I would say AJ Styles. I would say AJ Styles being the Intercontinental Champion, and then him and Daniel Bryan can have a few few matches here and there, feud for the summer, 
and maybe drop it to Brian. Honestly, I would never get tired of seeing Daniel Bryan and AJ Styles. Never. They're two of the best wrestlers in the world. To me, it feels like it would be like the New Day and the Usos in that feud where they can trade the belt a few times and then eventually one can just drop it to the other and then move on to something else and move on to bigger and better things. But I digress. Anyway, I think that's going to be it for me, guys. A bit of a short one. Uh, but that's what I got to caught, uh, catch this week in wrestling. Thank you so much, everybody, for listening. I hope you're all staying safe. I hope you're all been able to pass the time in this quarantine. Hopefully, I've been able to help you. Hopefully, uh, we all all be able to help each other. Um, hopefully, Manscaped can reach out to us and maybe get us a sponsor. I'm giving you a free plug right now, Manscaped. I tweeted you a bunch of times last night. Hopefully, we can do something together and we can work together. Would really, really love it. Anyway... Be sure again to listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor.fm, Podbean, wherever you can find your fine, fine podcast formats. Please be sure to follow us on at on Twitter at TNAWP, Facebook at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. Like us and follow us on Instagram at the Not Another Wrestling Podcast. And real quickly before I go, I know this week Sean was supposed to be asking me some wrestling trivia questions. Well, Sean, I'm directly talking to you, my friend. I want to see what you got next week. I hope you're here next week. I hope you can really try and stump me. Because let me tell you something, my friend. I am an endless source of useless information when it comes to pro wrestling. Anything you can conjure up? Nine times out of ten, I'm going to come up with it. So I'm up for the challenge, buddy. Hit me with your best shot. Thank you so much for listening, everybody. For CJ Palmasano, I will see you next time.